You're listening to a podcast of Hillside Community Church in Rancho Cucamonga, California. To learn more about our church, please visit hillsiderancho.com. We are in the third week of a series we've called Under Over. And this idea of what does it mean to live, to love, to lead like Jesus. Uh, we started off on the first week um, on, on this idea that every single one of us, we are a leader somewhere. That, that in, in some area of our life, we are a leader in something. And uh, maybe to make it more specific, that we have influence in our lives. And, and the question is not, do we have influence? The question is, how will we use that influence? How, how will we influence other people? Whether that's classmates, people we work with, family members, how will we influence them? Where will we influence them? Jesus, in that teaching we looked at the first week, said that, that we have that kind of opportunity, invitation to influence others. And he said that he, he's not just our example, he's our strength to accomplish it. He said uh, that, and this sets Christianity and Jesus apart from any other religion that there is. Jesus said that he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for us. Jesus came not for what we could do for him. Jesus came to do for us, to give grace, to give forgiveness, to give us help in our times of need so that we could then go and serve others. And so the foundation for our influence and the possibilities that, that are in this life come through the strengthening power of Jesus and what we can then go and do through his strength. Last week, we talked about this idea that there are some people who are really, really hard to influence, really hard to love, really hard to lead. And the key person, the most difficult person is often me. It's harder to lead ourselves often than it is any other person. And, and there's something that, that scripture calls us to, to have self-control, to, to lead ourselves, but it doesn't come in our own strength. It, it comes in what God can do by empowering us. We talked about a pathway, stepping stones or stumbling blocks, and the pathway being awareness, being aware, being really fully alive and awake to the reality that we find ourselves in, the reality of who God is. We talked about understanding that there's an invitation. We can know God. He's not hiding from us. We can know him. And then lastly, this idea of strength, strength to live. That's not our own strength, not our own ability. It's the Holy Spirit of God empowering us, guiding us to live the life we've been created to live. So now today we want to talk very specifically about in the context of our lives, um, timing, the, the timing of our lives. God's time, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been very frustrated with God and his timing God, you're late. What are you doing? Where are you now? So, so just sort of to, to help us understand this, uh, what time is it right now? I have 11.17. Somebody else? Anybody else have 11.17? All right. I have two ways. How many of you have at least two ways of telling time on you right now? Okay, can I get three? Does anybody have three? Like, like maybe you have a sundial in your purse. Maybe you have a, a, a pager. Like you're, you're truly old school, like 1988 old school. And you're like, hold on. Maybe you have a Fitbit. You have a Fitbit that helps you to tell time. You, you have all these different ways that you can tell time. And, and that's one way of defining what time it is. But what if I asked you this? What time is it in your life right now? Like what season 
are you in? That's a different way of addressing uh, the issue of, of the time of our lives and, and where we find ourselves. And, and, and we know that if we are a high school student or a mother with young children or empty nester, those are three radically different seasons of life, right? There, there are different priorities. There's different expectations. There's, there's just a different season. And the season that we're in makes all the difference in the decisions that we make of how we live our lives and how we go forward. And we've got to understand what season that we're in in order to know what the wise thing, the right thing to do sometimes. And so for some of us, maybe it's, it's like retirement season. And our, our biggest thought today is, where will I play golf tomorrow? For some of us, we're in an education season. We're thinking, I need to study because I got to get good grades, because I got to get to a college or get out of college and get a job. It's that season of life. Some of us are, we, we have young, young children, and that's called survival season. <laughs> when they outnumber you, you're in trouble for a couple of years. But we're in these different seasons. Maybe some of us, it's a difficult season. Maybe it's a season of mourning. No season lasts forever. But, but we must understand that season that we're in to make the most of it. Uh, but the problems in life come when our timetable and God's timetable don't line up. Maybe we have a plan and we're like, this is supposed to happen this way and it's not. Or we stand at a fork in the road and we have a decision to make, but we have no idea what to do. And maybe that's a lack of opportunity or maybe too many opportunities and we don't know what to do. What is the wise choice? What is the right thing to do in a moment like this? And, and we're clueless and, and maybe there's obstacles in our path. Maybe God has been late. He's not answered. And, and I remember being in one of those seasons and I, and I think it was early 20s, like 22, 23, 24, 25, all, all those thinking, what am I going to do when I grow up? And, and I really need to be married, and I don't have any prospects anywhere. God, where are you? You're late, and you're not listening. But maybe there's something else going on, and maybe God always is right on time. I'm just sometimes off his timetable. I, I had this notion that if only that could happen so in that season if only I could be married if only I could be there if, if only that would take place then everything would be okay God but why isn't that happening and in the middle of some of the wrestling with God's timing I was reading this devotional I read a lot Oswald Chambers my utmost force highest it was July 28th when I read these words God's training is for now not later. This very minute, right now, God's training is for now, not later. His purpose is for this very minute, not for some time in the future. I was so focused, so preoccupied with the future, with what's out there, that, that I was missing what was right now, right here. Chambers says, we have nothing to do with what will follow our obedience, and we are wrong to concern ourselves with it. What people call preparation God sees as the goal itself. That, that God works step by step in our lives. And sometimes those steps are backwards. We've, we've made mistakes. We've blown it. Even in that, God takes all of it to, to accomplish his plans. He, he, he is, is able to incorporate all of that into his purposes. His training is for right now. This is the time. 
in whatever circumstance you find yourself in, in whatever season you're in in life, in, in whatever the situation right now you are in, let's talk about what it means to see God, join God, to make wise and right decisions. So Ephesians chapter five, if you have your Bible, is where we will be. We've been in this passage for the last uh, few weeks. One more time, I wanna just talk about it and pull something we haven't really addressed out. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the people who live in a town called Ephesus and the people around that area. It's just as applicable today as it was uh, thousands of years ago. And Paul writes, starting in verse 15, is where I'll read. And he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And we talked about that idea of, of, of awareness. Be very careful how you live. It's like, pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on. And, and don't be unwise, but be wise. It, it, listen, it doesn't mean being ignorant and being dumb. It's not that kind. It's, it's this wisdom that, that comes from heaven. Paul talks about that heavenly wisdom. It comes as a gift that God will give us wisdom. That if we ask, he will grant us wisdom. And, and it's not just intellectual knowledge. It's the ability to make wise and right choices. So don't be unwise, but be wise. Verse 16 Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity we find ourselves in. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So that middle passage is where we want to pay attention to today. It's this idea of make the most of every opportunity. And some of us have been around church and we've read this in different translations. And we've read it growing up saying, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time, it literally still means to make the most. And it's not just simply talking about time management. It's not simply talking about prioritizing your life. It's not simply talking about how, how you can make better plans. Making the most of, of every opportunity is, is this acknowledgement that everywhere we go, everywhere we are, every moment has divine potential in it. There are no ordinary moments. There, there are no dull and boring moments in life. That redeeming the time is, is this idea that you may not be able to recover the time you've lost. Maybe you've wasted time, but you can redeem the time you have left. You may not uh, be able to reverse the time that you've wasted or maybe mistakes have been made. You can't reverse it and go back and fix it, but you can redeem the time you have left. You can make the most of every opportunity from this moment forward. In the Greek, there are often two different ways to talk about time. The first is uh, this word chronos, where we get chronological. It's, it's literally like, what time is it right now? It's looking at a calendar saying it is some Sunday in April. I don't remember the date right now, but it's, it's looking chronologically and saying, this is where we are in a point of time. And we want to make the most of those times. We want to plan and have good plans and make the most. But there's another kind of word. It is kairos. And kairos doesn't refer to like chronological time. It refers to opportune time, seasonal time. Like what season are you in? What moment are you in? Not like look at your watch, but, but like what right now is before you that God is saying, here's where you are. I'm there too. And I'm inviting you to join me with where I'm working. It's this idea, literally, and this is on your sermon notes. It's this um, idea of, we need to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity. 
Wise and sacred use of every opportunity. We're not in a moment that is, is like, this moment is wasted. God has forsaken me. God has forgotten me. No, no, no. God is at work, and it's up to us to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity. But it's easy for some of us in a season of life to say, I just don't want to be here. I don't want this to be going on. I want to be done with this season. And we can look at other people's seasons and we can see their season on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And we're like, I like their season better. Can I be in that season of life? That's not the season we're in. That's not the moment we're in. We are where we are. And How do we make the most of that? I mean, where I'm at in life right now, I'm married. I have three um, younger children. One of them is very sick. It would be foolish of me to say, you know what? I think I'm just going to live like a bachelor for the next year. Forget all those responsibilities. I want to be free. Uh, I want to be able to do what I want to do, and I want to be able to do it. And you would think a few things. You would think, first of all, I'm crazy. You would think, second of all, fire him now. It would be absolutely irresponsible for me to live that way. And so there's a part of of discerning what season we're in. And whatever season that you're in is one of the biggest indicators to help you decide what is the wise, what is the sacred, what is the right thing to do now. Because seasons dictate that. We won't be in the seasons forever, but we're there now. So how do we make the most of it? How do we seize the moment? How do we just see this is my divine moment and my responsibility that I've got to figure out is not five years from now. It's not even five weeks from now. It's five minutes from now. God, what are you wanting me to do? What does it mean to be faithful now? To follow you now? Because as Paul said, the days are evil There's all kinds of distractions. There's all kinds of things to pull us away from from living in the fullness of the moments we're in. But we are not invited to waste time, but to redeem the time, to make the most of every opportunity. If you uh, have this YouVersion Bible app on your phone, uh, this morning I I woke up and saw that the verse of today was something I read last night to to the congregation. Uh, Proverbs 16.9 says that, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. It's nothing wrong with making a plan. There's nothing wrong with having a plan, but ultimately God is the one who establishes our steps. There's many Proverbs that speak to this idea that we can plan and there's nothing wrong with that, but, but God guides, God leads, God's purposes prevail. And there really is this difference, I think, between planning and preparation. And planning is this idea that, that we've made good plans, we've, we've thought ahead weeks and months and maybe even years, and financially we're planning for the future, we're saving now so we can live later. We're, in all these areas we're saying, well my kids are young now, I need to make investments and, and plan, and that's good and right, but there's also a call for preparation. Preparation isn't, not, isn't just making a plan, working a plan, preparation is getting ready, it's being ready, no matter what happens, we're ready. And there's this invitation to make the most of every opportunity because you don't know what comes around the corner tomorrow. So being ready helps us make the most of every opportunity. Helps us to make the most of the season we're in right now. Not just looking and saying, well, the grass is greener on the other side. I want to go there. It's saying, no, right now, how do I seize the moment that we're in? Make the most 
of this opportunity. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with me, the story of Esther in the Old Testament is, is an amazing story of this uh, topic I'm talking about. Uh, you, if you go to sort of the middle of the Old Testament, you have Psalms, go to the left, you have the book of Job, go to the left a little further, and you have this little book called Esther. And Esther is a story of the providential care of God in his people's lives, no matter what is going on. The the reality is there's not much evidence of God in the book of Esther. His name is never mentioned. That's a weird thing. It's a Bible book, but God is never mentioned. It's in the Old Testament, but there's no talk about Israel or the, the law of Moses like there is in other books. It's absent. There's not even talk about prayer specifically in the book of Esther. Yet God's hand is in it from beginning to end, all over the place. And the story of Esther is a story of a, of a young Jewish girl who's afraid to even admit she's Jewish in that culture, who is orphaned, who really doesn't have a lot of gifts or talents to speak of, but God uses her right where she is at just the right time to make all the difference in the world. In chapter one of Esther, you start reading the story and you find out there's a king named Xerxes and he ruled this entire area of Persia from India to Kush, wherever in the world Kush is. And King Xerxes is this this powerful ruler. He's really a dictator who rules with an iron fist. He's ruthless in many, many ways. But, But his kingdom has amassed all this territory, all these treasures. So he begins to invite all of the noblemen of all the surrounding countries to sort of just show off. Look at how awesome I am. So it says for 180 days, he displayed his vast wealth and the kingdom and the splendor. Basically, he had a, a party for 180 days. It's quite a party, right? Like, like some of you think you've been to a good party and it lasted eight hours. A 180 day long party where he shows off everything and, and, and they're drinking all kinds of things. After that, he has another party for those who are closer. This party lasts seven days. And as this party is going on, he's like, it's an open bar tab. Eat, drink, whatever you want. Everybody have fun. There's just a celebration going on. He has a little bit too much to drink one night. And he says, I've showed off everything, my, my treasures, the splendor of the castles and all of those, but one thing's missing. I want to show off my queen. She's beautiful. So he sends his people to her people to say, get your robe and your crown on, look pretty and all those kind of things, and come and I want you to parade yourself around so everybody can see and say, wow, Xerxes has the most beautiful queen in the land. So his people tell her people, and they go to her, and she's throwing a party for all the women of the land, and he says, Come on and and parade yourself around. And she says, no, I won't have anything to do with that. No, thanks. Well, King Xerxes is a little bit uh, dismayed. No one, I mean, no one says no to King Xerxes. So he calls his advisors close by. and He's like, she said, no. Can you believe she said, no, I'm the king. Who does she think she is? So he does what any of us guys would do. He issues a royal decree that she could never step foot in his presence ever again. Banishes her from his kingdom and says, I'll teach her and I'll teach all the women of the land and issues a royal decree that the wives must always obey their husbands and all of that fun stuff. Chapter two gets us to this place where The king realizes, he's not mad anymore, but he realizes he doesn't have a queen. He's got lots of ladies in his harem, which is a whole other story, but he doesn't have a queen. So they start a national search, like a Miss Persia contest, to find the next queen for King Xerxes, and they're looking for the most beautiful of, of all of the region. 
Then we're introduced to this young lady named Esther. Um, and it says that her name was Esther. She had a lovely figure and was beautiful. We have no idea what she looks like. But, but I think if the Bible says you have a lovely figure and you're beautiful, you're probably pretty beautiful, right? Probably stands out. Uh, so she, along with a lot of other young ladies, are prepared to meet the king so he can choose which one he wants. In order to be prepared, chapter 2, verse 12 says, before you come before the king, you have to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women. 12 months at the spa. And some of you are like, that sounds like heaven itself. 12 months at the spa, six months with oil of myrrh, six with perfumes and cosmetics. So they're looking good. They're smelling good. They're ready to parade for the king. King Xerxes sees this parade, sees Esther, long story made short, immediately says, I want her to be the next queen. So he picks this no-name girl from obscurity to now the queen of Persia. So her, uh, Esther's cousin Mordecai, who adopted her after her parents died, is around the king's gates and keeping an eye on his cousin, who is now the queen. When one day he hears about a plot to assassinate King Xerxes, he quickly goes and tells Esther of this, and she lets the king know, saves the day, she delivers the king just just right on time. Uh, The next chapter, chapter three, there's sort of the vice president, second in charge of the land, a man named Haman. He comes up with a plot. He hates Jewish people. Maybe he's the first anti-Semite in in history. Um, He hates Haman because Haman won't uh, bow before him, so he comes up with a plan. He hates Mordecai because Mordecai won't bow, comes up with a plan, destroy all the Jewish people in all of Persia. Get rid of them. He tells the king about how disloyal these Jewish people are. The king says, okay, then let's get rid of them. Signs the edict, says do with them what you want. They, they start passing this around town. It, it comes back to Mordecai and his heart is broken. He goes into deep mourning. He's holding this edict that the Jewish people will be destroyed. And he says, somebody must do something. Esther's people hear that Mordecai's heart is broken and, and he says, yeah, for good reason. And he sends her people back with an edict in hand and says, Esther, you've got to do something. And he says to her, don't think just because you are in the king's castle that you're going to escape in this moment. Chapter four, verse 14, he says, for if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And then he says this, and who knows? I love that. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows? He's not saying like, I know for a fact. He's saying, who knows? Who knows but that you are right where you are supposed to be right now for such a time as this. Esther, you've got to do something right now. You need to do the right thing. You need to do the wise thing because maybe, just maybe, nobody else will do that. But do you know what is at stake there? Because he is a ruthless king, nobody comes into the king's presence without an appointment. You don't just show up, hey king, you have to be invited to see the king. So everything is at stake in this moment. Her life, the, 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 the Jewish people of the region of Persia, everything is at stake in this moment. 
But Mordecai says, you've got to do something, Esther. For such a time as this, you are right where you are. And even though the book of Esther never talks about prayer specifically, it's sort of implied Esther's response is this. Mordecai, you and, and your friends, you and the Jewish people, pray and fast for me for three days and nights. And then I'll go before the king. And here's what she says. If I perish, then I perish. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what the wise thing, the right thing to do is. If I perish, I perish. So in just a few days, she probably very timidly and fearfully opens the door to the presence of the king, not knowing, like, is he going to throw something? Is he going to issue another royal decree? Get out of my presence. What is he going to do? And his response the moment he sees her is, what is it, Queen Esther, that I could do for you? Ask me anything, up to half of the kingdom. So God has opened the door wide for her. And a long story made short, and I would love to just invite you, go read for yourselves today, tomorrow, the rest of the story. God, through Esther's faith, courage, boldness, and request ends up saving all of these Jewish people because she's willing to say, right here, right now, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And I will do exactly what God wants me to do. She could have made all the excuses in the world. She could have said, I'm too young. This is too dangerous. She could have said, I don't... I don't I don't even know what to ask. I don't have the right words. I don't have a position where, where I should be influential or making a difference. I, I, I may die. That's a pretty good excuse. I may die. And she says, if I do, then so be it. For such a time as this, she, she acknowledges I am right where I am supposed to be. Not going to play it safe, not going to avoid risk, I'm not going to just sort of back away even though I know what the right thing to do is. Fortunately for us in our day, Esther really doesn't have anything to do with us, right? I mean, no one is threatening Christians to not follow God or turn away, are they? Oh, wait, they are, aren't they? In our day, there's never any pressure to play it safe in response to God's invitation, is there? Oh, yeah, there is. There's never the chance that living out our faith would put us in opposition to the culture and how they live, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. But who knows? Who knows? If God, maybe just maybe, has you right where you are for such a time as this. Who knows? Who, who knows that, that maybe God has you in that job for such a time as this even that job like I don't even like the job that's not the point maybe who knows God has you right there right now for such a time as this maybe it's in that class students God has you right where you're supposed to be for such a time as this teacher neighbor Maybe God has you right 
there and you're like, even those neighbors, even those neighbors. Maybe right where you are is right where you're supposed to be and I can't give you answers that clarify all of these things, but, but maybe what you are seeing as, as a great obstacle in your life, a big obstacle is one of God's great opportunities right here, right now to follow, to trust, to, to have faith. And we can make all the excuses in the world, I'm too young, God, I'm too old. God, I don't even have any gifts. How are you gonna use me, God? Who am I? I don't have a position. But here's what we learned through Esther, that, that leaders aren't necessarily the ones who have a position. Leaders aren't necessarily the ones who have the power. Leaders are the ones who do the wise thing, the right things before anybody else will do them. Will step out and say, I'll be the one. Like, it doesn't make sense and I'm scared, but I'll do it. But what we can come up with all these excuses of why we can't, couldn't, shouldn't. And, and here's what I want to challenge you with. Your excuses, my excuses, but let's talk about you, it's easier. Your excuses reveal more about what you believe about God than what you believe about yourself. I'm too young or I'm too old is actually, God, you could never do anything with somebody like me. It speaks to what we believe about God. God, I'm not qualified. I don't have ability. I don't have a position. God, you could never do anything with somebody like me. But scripture is full of men, women, young people who have said, God, here's my life. Here I am. I may not be qualified. I may not have the resume to do this. God, I may not even be ready, but here I am. And God says, okay, I can use that. I can use somebody who says, I'm willing, and I may not even be that able, but what I have is yours. God says, I can use that kind of person to do great things. And it's not about what we have to offer in sets of skills and ambitions and, and clearly laid out plans. It's about here's my life, God. Have your way. You can use me. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, God has you right where you are for right now. Stop worrying about five years, 10 years down the road. Stop worrying about five weeks, 10 weeks down the road. Right where you are now, tomorrow morning. And you may say, but I'm standing at this place and, and there's problems and there's issues and there's a fork in the road. I don't know which way to go. There's obstacles and I'm facing them and I don't know which way to go. So I want to quote to you a very famous, wise, scholarly philosopher named Yogi Berra who played catcher for the New York Yankees. He said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take it. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. You're like, that doesn't really help me answer my question of what I'm supposed to do. Well, it, it does for a lot of you. Because some of you in this room, you've been wrestling with what you know you're supposed to do. You just haven't done it yet. You don't even have to pray, what's the wise, what's the right thing to do? What you really need to do, you need to take it. You need to go. You need to stop delaying, stop hesitating. 
I, I can't believe I'm saying this in church, you need to stop praying about it. Because for some of us in this room, prayer has become an excuse. Oh, I'm just gonna pray about it a little bit longer. But you know that you know that you know God has said, here's your fork in the road, take it. It's different than what you planned. It's not how your timetable has lined up. Take it. Step up. Speak up. Go. For others, others of us, it really is a matter of prayer. That's our first step. It's time to start praying. God, open my eyes. Let me see who you are, where you are at work. Give me wisdom so that I can make wise and sacred use of my time. Because honestly, you've been wasting time. And you would want to come today and say, I, I want to take it. I want to take my opportunity. I want to make the most of this opportunity right where I am. I'm going to stop wishing things would change and I'm going to make the most of it right now. In, in the strength that Jesus provides because he's one who comes to serve us, in the strength his Holy Spirit gives because he empowers us, I'm going to take this opportunity to make the most of this opportunity. This is my fork. Would you take your fork? You didn't even know you had a fork until right now, but will you take your fork? And for me, this, there's one already in the dashboard of my car, so every time I'm driving down the road, make the most of every opportunity. This one belongs in my pocket. Because everywhere I go and every time I stick my hands in my pockets for the next week, it's make the most of every opportunity this week. What season of life do you find yourself in? Well, make the most of it. What, what circumstances, situations are you in? Right now, make the most of them now. Right where you are, right now. Just before God, say, God, in your strength, with your help, God, give me faith, give me courage to make the most of these moments. Would you pray with me? God, we need your help. God, we need faith from you. But who knows you alone know that maybe, just maybe, we are right where we are right now for this time, for this moment. Would you give us faith to respond? Would you give us courage to follow you, to step up, to speak out, to live for you? I want to ask, if you're in this room, for everybody to close their eyes. And if you would say, Aaron, you know, what we're talking about today, that's, that's what I need. I need that courage. I need that faith. I, I, it's time for me to step up. It's time for me to speak out. It's time for me to say yes to something I've been hesitating on for so long. With everybody's eyes closed, if you would say, that's me, would you just pray for me, Aaron? Would you pray for that circumstance? Would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me? Pray for that circumstance in my life. Pray for the courage, the faith to respond, the boldness. So God, you see our hands. Uh, you, God, understand the circumstances represented, the, the moments, the opportunities that we're in. God, help us. God, help us. Give us faith to trust you. Give us courage to respond. Give us an urgency not to delay, not to hesitate any, any longer, but to say, here I am, God, to take the opportunity, to make the most of the opportunity. Give us the strength that we so desperately need. 
give us open doors to speak a word for you, to be an example for you, to love someone in your name as you have loved us. God, open up our eyes, open up the doors, and give us your boldness, your courage. That we can take the opportunity. We can make the most of these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Community Church. For additional resources, please visit hillsiderancho.com. We also invite you to stay connected with us on Facebook and Twitter. Simply search for Hillside Rancho, all one word.